We're going to be starting this evening in James chapter 4. It just seems like a lot of people have been dying lately. Yeah. Man, it's on Facebook and I'm talking about celebrities and notable figures and people that we're close to. I mean, I'm not just talking about COVID. It just seems like, just on Facebook today, it just seems like uh, I had another thing I was going to teach tonight, but God just started dealing with me this morning about about life and about death. And, and it brought to my uh, recollection, I remember very clearly... It was, I was in a sophomore year, so it's been 1999, and I was—I remember I was in English class, and uh, at Winfield High School, and over the loudspeaker, um, they come to, on the loudspeaker. Brad Joseph come immediately to the office. I said, "That's weird." I, my parents weren't typically ones to pick me up, and I didn't remember anything being in the office. So, sure enough, I walked to the office, and do you ever like it? Once again, it's not a premonition, but. The minute they said my name, something in my stomach just like sank. And I and I, I know it wasn't because I was in trouble, because I was pretty sure I knew when I was in trouble when I wasn't in trouble. So I was like, just something sank. And I'm like, man, it was just this feeling, this eerie feeling. Like even before I walked out of that English room, that something odd was happening. So sure enough, I turned the corner and to turn to the office at Winfield High School. And there's my aunt, which my aunt, Becky, uh, who's now passed away, but never picked me up. Never picked me up. And she is in tears. And uh, she said, come on, we got to go. She said, get your backpack and we got to go. I said, where are we going? She said, we'll talk about it in the car, everything. So sure enough, we get in the car, we start to drive, and she says, uh, just out of the blue, your, your dad's been in an accident. And I said, what kind of accident? She said, they were on the way to a coal plant, and they met a friend of his uh, out by Wayne, and were on the road. And she didn't know all the details, and that was the worst part. She said, well, I don't know the details. It's not good. He may not make it. So, sure enough, they were on the way to a coal plant, and there was a van in front of them, that, and they were behind them in a, in a big Dodge Ram. And I guess a guy coming down the hill had fell asleep working night shift and went into the other lane. Well, the car in front of my father's car swerved and moved when they saw the car in the lane, but my father's car didn't have enough time to move. So it just collided, killed the gentleman who was who hit him, and then my, uh, my father and the gentleman that he was with were in critical condition. My dad had all plate reconstruction in his face. His whole left hip is completely artificial, broke a lot of his, broke his pelvis and everything, was in the hospital for quite a bit. Anyways, long story short, I get to the hospital down at Cabo Huntington, and uh, uh, they said, do you want to go in? And so many feelings are rushing through my mind. And, you know, and I'm just a sophomore, so I'm trying to hold it all together. But, you know, I don't want to see my father in this kind of state. And I thought to myself, what is, what if this is the last time I ever get to see him? You know, and you've probably been there. We're all subject to that. Uh, Megan's downstairs. Her father passed away in a car accident when she was nine. Didn't get that opportunity to even go in the hospital room to, to say the last words. But I, I started to ask myself, as I began to think of that. I said, you know, some people don't get that chance. And just today, a, a guy I didn't know all that well, but it had been years. But he went to sleep last night, 51 years old, and didn't wake up this morning. And you have to ask yourself the question, man, what 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 is that last moment? What If this was our last day, and God just put that, that on my, our heart, if today was your last day to be alive. Now, the first thing you're thinking is, Geez, I did not come to church on Wednesday night to hear about death, to hear about what would my last day in life be. But I think it's important 
that we realize, because actually I think it produces a mindset and a heart set that we live better if we realize that we're not here forever. We may not realize that, but... Uh, but the reality is it is to understand how precious life is and how precious each day is and how temporary life is in contrast, how vast eternity is. I think we have to really bring it down. Uh, Leo Tolstoy, the Russian Pulitzer Surprise, once wrote this. He said, if then I were asked for the most important advice I could give, that which I consider to be the most useful to the men of our century. I should simply say, in the name of God, stop a moment, cease your work, and look around. Because I think too often, we get this, we get so busy, and so distracted, and we start to believe that maybe, just maybe, we might live forever. And sadly, when the, it, it takes those, <laughs> it takes that over the loudspeaker of our life, so to speak, to wake us up and we get that feeling. And, and I'll be honest, as a preacher in Delbert, or if you're anyone's a preacher in here, funerals, I don't like them because I hate to see families in that condition. But as a preacher, there is no greater place for me to preach the Word of God. I'll be honest. It is the most fertile ground that you can ever have. Because it is smack dab. Delbert, last funeral we did together. He said, I mean, in this, he said, in this casket, he said, where they are, I'm going to be soon and you're going to be soon. And nobody wants to hear it, but I think we need to realize it because then it makes us prioritize what we're doing today. What we're doing with our life. So James chapter 4, verses 13 through 15 says something very profound. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. So he's saying, you're, you're already got plans for a year when you don't even realize tomorrow may never come. For what is your life? What a question. You know, and let me say this. I've heard people say, I, I, I want a legacy and I want to, I want to leave back my legacy and, but you have to stop to ask yourself because I want a legacy and I want my family and I want my, I want my friends to remember me. But <laughs> there's a difference between how I see myself and how others see myself. Now I might say, man, there's going to be a line out the door and I can't wait for everyone to stand up and share their wonderful memories of me. And sure enough, when I'm in that casket and I can't defend myself, they may bury me again. <laughs> you know, they may bury me again. It's not, it's not just as important of what we think about our life. Well, this is what I think my life should be. That's fine. Understand that. But then ask God, God, what should my life look like? What do you want my legacy to be? What do you want my, my heritage to be? Do you want, you want me to pass it? Through. But we have to ask ourselves that sobering question, for what is your life? And then it says this, it is even a vapor. That vapor is the Greek word, uh, atmes. Atmes also is the root word for breath. So it even goes even deeper than that. It says, what is your life? It is a vapor. Maybe it's even a breath. Man, 
A vapor will at least last a, a little bit. Nowadays, everyone's vaping, right? You see that all? I've seen these smokes come out of cars. I'm not joking. I've never seen such a big cloud. Said, that car's on fire. <laughs> that car's absolutely on fire. Because the vape smoke or whatever. But at least it'll last for a few seconds. But a breath is here and gone. And in the scheme of eternity, I'm telling you. The, other, the one lady said it to you once before. It was a hundred years birthday, right? She said, what did she say? She said, Pastor, I want to tell you, a hundred years is not very long. A hundred years is not very long. And you might be here today, you might be 50, 60, 70, and you might say, man, it feels like yesterday I was just a kid. You know? And I say that and they say, oh, just wait. It gets worse as you get older. But it's life is so short. And that's why we have to, that's why James is saying that. You can make plans and you can have goals, but you better get ready to ask yourself the question, what is your life? And, and to know your life is to know that your life is here today and might be gone tomorrow. For what is your life? It is a, even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that he ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or do that. Paul says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Psalms 144 and 3 and 4 says this, Lord, what is man? Same thing, what is your life? The psalmist says, what is man? That thou takest knowledge of him, or the son of man, that thou makest account of him. Man is like to vanity. His days are as a shadow that passeth away. Man, sobering. It is sobering. And I don't know how, but we've gotten so desensitized that we say, well, everyone else is dying, but I'm going to live forever. And we say, what I can't get done today, well, I'll just do tomorrow. And there may be things that are heavy on your heart to get done today. And we're going to talk about that in a second. I'm telling you, do it today. Do it today because tomorrow may never come. And I'm telling you, there is a fickle thing called regret. And it is a brutal reality. Regret is so horrible. And I, and I hate anyone to leave this life or to get to the end of their life and have regret. So let's talk about it. So why didn't anyone want to talk about it? Why didn't anyone want to live with this mindset that, hey, we may be gone tomorrow? Why? Because we have plans? Sure. That's it. We have plans. And, and, and also because we have regrets and maybe those regrets could interfere with our plans. But Psalms 90, 12 through 12 says this. So teach us. That's the thing about the word of God and the spirit of God. Is it causes us and teaches us to number our days. Not to sit there and say, well, I might die today. Here we go. Okay, tomorrow comes. Well, day number two. I didn't die yet. No, that's all it means. To number them, to cherish them, to, to make them precious, to make them worth it. To honor it. Like I said, I, I saw a bumper sticker a while back and I had to Google it because I had written it down years back. And they used to have a bumper sticker that said, Jesus is coming. Look busy. <laughs> Jesus is coming, look busy. And it's sad, but that's the reality. For so many people, they, they have all the good intentions, and, and listen, they want to live for the Lord, and they want to do things right, and they want to live godly. But they're thinking that, hey, well, I'll get around to it when I get around to it. Right now, I'm just going to look busy. But the fact of the matter is, we don't know the hour he's going to come. He may come tonight, or better yet, you may need him before he comes to get you. And we need to make sure that we make it worth our while. 
Yeah, I wrote this in my notes. We're talking about funerals. How many funerals have we been to? How many family members and friends have we talked to that when someone dies, we say, man, I just talked to him. I literally just talked to him. Or they'll say, man, he looks so healthy. Man, I mean, he, man, or they have a, you know, they have surgery, or they look great, or they're getting back into shape, and then they die, or they say, or this one, they say, oh my gosh, he just, he just started going back to school, and they just had a kid, they just had a family. I'm gonna be honest with you folks, death waits for nobody. It's no respecter of persons. If you have plans, that's fine, but you better make preparation to say, listen, if it's God's will, if it's God's will, and it's overwhelming to consider all these things, that we could, if, if you say, okay, oh my gosh, if I am, if I need to number my days and I need to prioritize my life to make sure that I'm living to my fullest potential that Christ has called me to live by, I mean, that could be overwhelming because if you have a wish list and it might be a hundred days and you can say, okay, well, if today might be my last day, then, then how do you start to look at that when, uh, when we're right on the, uh, one commentary, I, re- I read this in some of the articles I was looking up. How does one decide what is the most effective impactful, God-honoring thing to do when your toes are on the precipice of eternity. That's pretty good. (laughs) What is the most effective thing? How can I know if it's better to sneak into North Korea, should it even be possible and preach the gospel, or to track down all my unsaved friends and family so I can preach the gospel to them? And it says, maybe I should also drain my life savings so I can give it away, but who should I give it to? The reality is there's no idea how to answer all of those questions. But I'm thinking it falls in this. And I want you to read it with me. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. You don't have to turn there, but if you want to. It talks about physical expectation, physical preservation. And they often use it in terms of fitness and exercise. says this, for bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. So here's the key. Here's the key. If the Lord is leading you to it, I'm telling you, there's no way it's, you're not going to get something out of it. I'm, not one thing. If God's calling you to it, and it's something that, that He can get behind, His work can get behind, His Spirit's leading you, I'm telling you, you're going to make the most out of that day. I don't care what it is. It could be feeding soup to the homeless. It could be teaching a Sunday school class. It could be simply listening to Christian radio, uh, studying your Bible. I'm telling you, uh, but it just says this, but godliness is profitable un, unto all things. And then look what it says. Having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. See, this is the good thing about godliness and and doing things that the Spirit leads. It is things that are eternal. The things you might feel like we're doing here. There are some things I do in this life, I'm telling you, aren't going to matter one bit when it comes to eternity. But there are also things that that I can do in this life physically and have huge consequences eternally. We see that. Delbert preached it before. If we're going to store our treasures in heaven, the only thing in heaven is souls. That's it. So if we're reaching out to souls to see people saved, to, to love on people as Christ loved on people, I'm telling you, those are things that matter in eternity. So I wrote a couple things down. Number one, if we're going to leave this mindset, this heart set, that, hey, life is temporary. There's no running away from it, no trying to plug my ears and close my eyes. The reality is, hey, I'm gonna, I have today, I feel good, but the reality is tomorrow may never come. 
So if I have to get that mindset because I believe it does produce a, 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 a living that is more urgent, you know? I think if, if, if someone would call me today or someone would call you today and say, uh, by the way, let's just be honest, someone knocks, comes walking in and they have a piece of paper and they hand it to you and you open it up and it says, tomorrow will be your last day, you know? Signed by God, whatever. What do you do with that? If you get that phone call and says tomorrow is your last day, what do you do? Do you live with a little more sense of urgency? I think you would. Who wouldn't? I think you should, and I think if we have that mindset, then we realize, man, I'll tell you, if I got that call today, when I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to say, man, we're going to get some stuff done today. You know? That's the mindset that Christ and James was trying to produce to say, listen, it's great to have long-term plans, but the reality is let's just focus on getting stuff done today. Because tomorrow may never come. But number one, I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. Number one, we need to make sure that we are ready to die. Amen. You may get the call that you're going to die, but it doesn't mean you're ready to die. And nobody wants to die, but if death is inevitable, then I want to be ready. And I've come to find out through the gospel of Jesus Christ that there's only one person that's ever beat death. Well, sorry, Lazarus and a couple others, but because of Jesus Christ, <laughs> nobody beats death. Nobody. Jesus Christ is the only one that takes away the sting of death. So if I'm going to be ready to die, I'm going to have Jesus Christ in my corner. So I just want to say tonight that the number one thing we need to do is make sure that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, Zacchaeus climbed a tree. Nicodemus came by night. The woman at the well came simply by giving a drink. Uh, Paul came on the road to Damascus. I don't care where you meet him. I don't care where you receive him. You just need to receive him. You just need to get ready. And in all those accounts and more, more accounts in the Bible, he is in the presence for us to be ready. Doesn't matter where you're at. I'm telling you, on the side of look, a thief on the cross, <laughs> you know, I've seen it in a hospital bed, you know, where people can get saved. They can make preparation to die in anything. It's, the fact of the matter is, it's when Christ passes by that we need to say, hey, I need you to make me ready to die. Number two. Not only to be ready to die, but to stay ready to die. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. It says this in verse 35. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. It's talking about this in the retrospect of, of the uh, slothful servant. We see that in the parable here uh, in, the, in the remaining passages. But in verse 35 it says, let your loins be girded about... And your light's burning. So, once again, stay ready. Uh, when I worked for my father, uh, we had a shop buzzer. And you stay working until that shop buzzer went off. And, and when that shop buzzer went off, then you could go through the locker room, change your clothes, get in your car, and go home. And I don't know how many times guys would be about 20 minutes till that buzzer. They'd start edging towards the locker room, picking stuff, picking up trash just making the most, but the buzzer hadn't went off. And, and I feel like sometimes that's the thing, uh, as us Christians, we are just trying to look busy. And, and once again, we've already we've already pulled our clothes off. We're already ready to go. But no, we need to stay ready. But hey, until that buzzer hits, until the Lord takes me home, I got work to do. Like Paula said, that's great. I'm saved. You're saved. But what about the rest of the world? And if I'm truly concerned, if I truly have a desire... That Christ has desire. He's not willing that any should perish. 
And the only reason he's tearing is because he's not slack in his promises. You know, he's, he's, he's just waiting. He, he wants to see all come to repentance so that no one would perish. But it goes on to say this in the verses after that, in verses 36 and on of Luke 12. And ye yourselves, like unto men that wait for their Lord, when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. They may open to him immediately. How many people are going to say, I need one more day? You know, when the Lord comes back for me, I'm going to say, hey, I don't want to bargain with you. I don't need one more moment. If you want me, I'm here. If you're not here for me, then hey, I'll live to my fullest. But how many people, because it says right here that they, when he comes and he, and he opens the, he knocks and they open the door immediately to him. But I'm telling you, we see it in the rich young ruler. They said, man, just give me one more chance. Give me one more chance. In which Abraham said, oh, I'll bring it to your memory all the times, all the chances you had. But there is going to be a, a, a world of people that say, if only I had one more day. Because they weren't ready. And they weren't staying ready. But we're different than that. We're, we're ones that wait for the Lord. And when he does return, we open that door immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them down to sit to meet, and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come forth in the second watch, or come in the third watch... And find them so, blessed are those servants. Doesn't matter what day or week. Uh, I'd like to be honest, I'd like to come on church day. I'd like to be in church. And the Lord just be, the church just be raptured out right on a Sunday. That'd be real great. But it don't matter what watch. Uh, blessed are those servants that are ready and, and willing. And this know that if the good men of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us, or even to all? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise servant, steward, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household, to give their, them their portion of meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Not acting like they're doing, but doing. Not looking busy, but being busy. Of a truth I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But, and if, that servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat his men and servants and maidens, and eat to drink, to be drunken. The Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and at that an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him asunder, and will appoint him to his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant which knew his Lord's will, and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he knew, but he that knew not, and did commit these things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whosoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to him men have committed much. Of him they will ask the more. So we see that about being ready. Number one. Number two. Staying ready. Staying in this mindset that hey. I want to be working for the Lord. Not for the, the reality that he's going to come. But if he does come and when he comes. He's going to find me doing. I don't want to sit down. I don't want to be lazy. I don't want to put my feet up. You know. Uh, that's the worst thing. <laughs> that would be the thing about my father. Once again, another illustration, I would, I'd have my feet up. I'd just be sitting there, scrolling the internet, and I'd hear him coming, and I couldn't get my feet off the desk quick enough, and sure enough, I almost fell out of my chair, and he says, I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. No point in faking it, you know, and that's the Lord. When he comes back, he wants to see us actually doing 
We've got a work to do. We've got the gospel. We've got the hope of eternity. So anyways, number uh, number three. So be ready, stay ready, and let's talk about uh, loving others. I want to talk about that for a second. Uh, does anyone call their parent every day? Talk to the parent every day. No shame. Corey. Corey? 20 times a day. 20 times a day. Well, I was just saying one, but... Right? Some people call their parents every day. They call their children every day. Call their children every day. Why do we do this? And you know, you ever take a trip? Before the trip, you make sure you're going on a trip, you make sure you kiss your, kiss your wife, kiss your husband, kiss your children. Because the, somewhere in the back of your mind is you want to make sure you tell them you love them. You don't want the last thing just to leave, just to slam the door. And that's the last thing. And, and even in our grief share meetings, there are people sometimes that... They, that it was a real good situation when they passed away, and other times they may have had a little argument that morning, may have had a little fight, and, and those are things that sometimes play in the back of your mind. Why? Because I think it's, I think once again, this urgency and this importance to live like today might be our last day calls us to kind of love a little bit more, right? If I would get that phone call that today would be my last day, well, I think the number one thing I would want to do after I made sure I had preparation to meet God would be love my family. You know, but this mindset that James kind of produces is that if today is our last day, no matter what, then maybe I should love my family a little more. You know, sometimes we put so much pettiness and the reason we don't love and distance and, and time and we get distracted. But all that goes out the window when this is your last day. You know, if you if you had plans and you had a work schedule and you had all this work to do and, and school work to do and grass had to be cut and, 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 and all that, you know, oil had to be changed, whatever. You know, if this was your last day, you'd say, you know what, forget it, it doesn't matter, anyways. I'm just going to love my family. And man, that speaks to me, because I, I do, I want to make sure I make today count. But that's why we do that. And I think so often it's, uh, we don't forgive like we should, and we, we, we keep these little grudges, because it's just pride. And can I tell you tonight, pride is a pit, and pride is a snare. And I'm telling you, if you've got a, a disagreement, or you're holding a grudge... With somebody, I'm telling you, in light of eternity, it's not worth it. It is not worth it. And I've seen so many lives in the last moments when when they get that diagnosis or they get that call, they say, well, there's someone I need to call. I've not talked to him for 20 years. I'm not talking to him. But let it go. Let it go. Let God do the work. Oswald Chambers said such, something so wonderful. He said, our yesterdays present irreparable things to us. Irreparable things to us. It is true that we have lost opportunities which will never return. But God can transform this destructive anxiety into a constructive thoughtfulness for the future. Let the past sleep. I love this right here. Let the past sleep, but let it sleep on the bosom of Christ. Leave the irreparable past in his hands and step into the irresistible future with him. Because if right now, as I'm talking about this, there's a grudge or an odd against the brother or, or some friction between a family member right now or maybe a church member, maybe a friend, you know? And right now, as I'm thinking, I'm telling you, that there's a reason for that. Don't let it stew. God's given you an opportunity. And yes, it might. Well, I wasn't the one that started it. I wasn't the one that started it. And, and by gosh, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to dare make that phone call. Good. I hope that one, I hope that works real well for you. 
Because I'm telling you, in the light of eternity, and if this is your last day on earth, I'm telling you, all those things come to the surface, and heaven forbid we leave this life with any kind of regret of what we could have done. Matthew chapter 5 says it perfectly in verses 22-24. For I say unto you that except your righteousness, because that's what it is, if you've got a grudge, if you're holding unforgiveness, that's your righteousness. You're elevating your, your pride above someone else. But the fact that is, look at Christ. If anyone had an ego, it would have been Christ. And Christ said, you know, I've got an odd against you. Uh, you've sinned against me. You've wronged me. And here I am with my arms open wide. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. Ye have heard, have, ye have heard that it was said of them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in the danger of the judgment. So this is what he's saying here. And look at the spin. Because everybody wants to elevate their own righteousness. Well, it's not like I've killed anybody. I mean, yes, we had a disagreement. Yes, there's some unforgiveness. Yes, we haven't talked in 20 years. So what? Yes, our family's kind of split up. Big deal. It's not like we killed anyone. And look what he says here. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother, without a cause, shall be in the danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Man, starts warnings right there. And then he says this, and man, that steps on my toes. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest, because you will remember. As I'm preaching it right now, you're remembering it. That's how the Holy Spirit works. It's, it's trying to draw it out of you to the surface. That's to live that mindset that, hey, tomorrow's not promised. And why do you care about this grudge it once you're dead? So if today is the last day, then forget about tomorrow. That grudge is gone anyways. Let it go. Let Christ have it and move on. But therefore, if thou would bring a gift to the altar, if you were going to... Bring something to the altar to God. And there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee. Leave there thy gift before the altar. And go thy way. First being reconciled to thy brother. And then come and offer thy gift. It's that mindset. Let it go. If we're going to prioritize, because that's what James asks. James asks, what is your life? And really, if that is what your life, because I know how bitterness gets and I know how resentment gets, it will absolutely consume you. It will consume you. And that is not your life. For the, to think for the last 20 years, your whole life is revolved in just getting back or getting even or making sure I put up walls that nobody could break down and I'm not going to love anyone else. I've been hurt. That is not your life. That is not why we're here. And if our life is a vapor, a breath, man, there's got to be something more to it. Jonathan Edwards, in 1723, he said this, I frequently hear persons in old age say how they would live if they were to live their lives over again. We've all said it, right? As we get older. If I could do it over again, right? He says, I've heard it often if they were to live their lives over again. And then he says this, resolved that I will live just so as I can think I shall wish I had done supposingly I lived to old age. 
So he says, I'm going to redo the things now before I get old. He said, I'm going to think right now. Before I get old, well, if I could do it over again. Wait, I can do it over again. I do have another chance. And that's the thing about life and why it's so precious. We are, we, are, we are given an opportunity that nothing else in the universe has. This is the beautiful thing. That whatever wrongs I had yesterday, that His grace and His mercy, when I wake up the next morning, I have a choice to even to live there or not. Right. Nobody chooses that for me. You may think other people choose it, but if I get to determine what my life is going to be. And listen, I don't think we have an, we understand the authority as we talked about Sunday morning. The authority in our words and our love. And, and you might say, man, there is years worth of pain, years worth of hurt. And you say, there's no way, way one phone call or one visit or one card can patch things up. Try it. Try it. Give it to the Lord first and try it and see what happens. And I'm telling you, I believe God can do one thing. Remember the old Maxwell House tagline? I don't know if they still use it or not. Good to the what? Good to the last drop, right? I don't know about you, but my cup's still pretty full. But when it comes down to the end of my life, I want to be good to the last drop. I want every day to count. I do. Now when I'm healthy, and then if I, if sure enough, if I would be gone tomorrow, or something tragically would happen tomorrow. Listen, if you come to my funeral and I die tomorrow, I want you, I want people to say, you know what, Brad lived. He lived for Christ. He, he didn't waste the days. But I want you to be good to your last drop. I want to read one more verse and we'll dismiss. Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5 verse 11 through 14 says this. And thou mourn at the last. When thy flesh and thy body are consumed. How many lives? How many lives are wasted? And they don't realize that they've wasted their life. And it's not till the end of their life that they say, My goodness, there were so many things I could have done. So many things I could have done differently. And, and Solomon says right here, And thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed, and say, How have I hated instruction, and my heart despised reproof. Because I'm telling you, if you stay in this word... And you stay in the Spirit of God, there is no way you'll continue living a wasteful life. There's no way you'll continue to hold bitterness and resentment. But what happens is, we like to stay out of this book. We like to stay out of prayer. And that's what he says. At the end of their life, they mourn because they go, oh my gosh, my life is over. It's been consumed. And then I look back and I and I hated God's instruction when he told me to do this and he told me to do that. And, and man, my heart despised reproof when I thought I was right, but God was telling me I was wrong. That's another thing. Let's just stop there for a second. Do not wait. I don't understand if you know how grace works. But grace on the minute of repentance, the minute you turn from, the minute you cry out to God and say, God, I'm sorry, it is washed. He is faithful and just to cleanse. That is his word. I don't understand why people get into sin. And I'm talking about Christians and unbelievers. But Christians will get into sin and they'll wait days to repent. They'll wait days to give it to God. The minute I have it, I'm getting rid of it. Because what happens is, yes, I've sinned, but he that knoweth to do good and doesn't do it is sin. So, yes, the sin was bad, but also not giving it to God is bad. So we carry it with us. 
And then the devil just gets more, more out of that sin than really was. It might have just been an attitude. It might have been a glance. It might have been a word. And you know, that's a, that's a sin that's so quickly that we can just say, God, here's my heart. I'm sorry. I know you've called me to better that. I repent. I turn from it. I, I, I just ask you to forgive me. And it goes done. But what happens is we, we carry it and we walk with it and then lose all those days in the process. Because I don't believe we'll actually go to walk properly, uh, circumspectly as the scripture says, redeeming the time until we get that off of us. But once again, how my heart despised reproof. I love when God tells me I'm wrong. Because I know he's the only one that can. God will listen to anyone else. But I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit says, Brad, it's as simple as this. I'm right and you're wrong. Because I said, well, you don't understand. They did this. No, you don't understand. You're wrong and I'm right. So you're either going to abide and line up with that or not. And then he says this. And have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to them that instructed me. And then he says this. And this is where I'm going to finish preaching at you tonight. Look what it says in verse 14. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. Consumed right there. Surrounded with all the right things and yet consumed myself with all this stuff. I'm telling you folks, we need to live as James calls us to live. I hope you're sitting in your life right now and that loudspeaker goes off saying your name. Immediately come to the office. Because the reality is, what if tomorrow is your last day? What if it really is? Oh, preacher, come on. I'm as healthy as an ox. Got all my life ahead of me. Just got a promotion. I'm waiting for summer. We're going on a beach trip. We've already planned it. Great. If it's the Lord's will. But your life is a vapor. And you need to realize that. And once you realize that, I'm telling you, every day will have purpose. Every day you'll wake up and say, man, we got to get busy. We got to get busy. And if tomorrow comes, imagine for a second that cancer patient that said, hey, today's going to be your last day. Well, let's say he gets all this stuff done and he goes to sleep and it's Groundhog Day again. <laughs> you know, he wakes up the next day and it's the next day. Wait a minute. I thought yesterday was the last day. Man, there is so much more stuff I wanted to get done. I got all of that done yesterday. We'll make another list and let's get it done today. Let's love like we never loved before. Let's forgive like we never forgot before. Let's throw regret out of the window. Let's turn it over to God and say, God, if you want me today, I'm ready. But I'm going to stay ready. But otherwise, I'm going to live like there is no tomorrow. And I want to live. I think that's what he calls us to live. That abundant life is, is to realize that this life is so fragile. I want to live forever. I do. I want to live a long time. So he said, came in tonight. She said, what are you preaching on tonight? I said, I'm preaching on your life as a vapor. It's short. She said, well, I might live a thousand years. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm pretty sure the Bible says you can't live to a little over 120. She said, well, Methuselah lived, lived till 900. <laughs> and I said, yeah, well, that was before the... <laughs> I was like, all right, we're going to get into this tonight. If you really want to go there, I'm going to snuff you. But she's right. I want to live forever. I, I want to live a long time. But the reality is I'm not. And one day death's going to come knocking and I'm th thankful that Jesus Christ is going to give me a minute before death does. But I want to live full. Alright, how about you tonight? You want to live full? You want to live your life? Alright. Let us stand. We'll dismiss in prayer.
Pastor Delbert, will you come to the podium and dismiss us in prayer, brother? Sure.